Hello and welcome to the Video Synth Podcast. I'm Robert Jordan from Catful of Ghost Electronics, and this is a show about video synthesis in all its forms. So today, I'm going to be talking about analog video formats. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't want to say confusion, but there's a lot of different analog video formats and there's a lot to know and people do often ask me questions um, about this you know they will they will have like purchased some equipment and they'll want it to kind of fit together they'll want it to work together in a certain way um, and some of the confusion and difficulty that they have comes from these different formats and these formats not being compatible or needing converters that are either cheap and poorly made or incredibly expensive um, and so there is a little bit to know in this area. And also, if you're working in analog video, you know, if you're doing cool video art stuff, it's good to know your materials. It's good, like if you were, I don't want to use the example of painting a painting, because it's such a kind of boring, obvious example, but you want to know the materials that you're working with. And if you're working with analog video, then some of the materials that you're working with are analog video formats. So first to understand what I mean by analog video formats and what is an analog video format, we need to know what is analog. Hmm. So in this case, we're talking about analog electronics, an analog signal. So as opposed to a digital signal, a digital signal is binary. You will have heard that term before. It's a one or it's a zero. So if we imagine it's a voltage, it's zero volts or it's five volts. And if you imagine that voltage running through something like an LED or a light, the light is either off and that is zero or it is on and that's a one. Zero, one. Binary. There's only two states. Now an analog signal is different because it has theoretically an infinite number of states between zero volts and five volts. And I'm just using that range as an example. Typically video is in the zero to one volts range. But just for the sake of this, now if we imagine our light or our LED, instead of only being able to be off or on, so zero volts and five volts, we're now able to have it be any voltage between zero and five volts. One volt, two volts, 1.1111111111 volts, and so now our LED can be, theoretically, an infinite number of brightness steps between zero volts and one volts. And that is what is meant by an analog signal. So in the case of analog video, information is encoded in that voltage. So something interesting about analog video is the way that we have to transport our visual information in real time. In fact, faster than real time. We need to push all of what you might call the pixel information of an image through a cable as an analog voltage, retrieve it at the other end and display it as an image. And that needs to happen so fast that it fools the human eye into seeing the whole frame of an image at once. And that must be done so quickly that the next frame to come down the line will then be displayed fast enough to again fool us into thinking that there is motion happening. 
as we change from frame to frame to frame to frame to frame. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes, but the slow-mo guys did a great video that shows you kind of in super duper phantom slow motion what a scanline actually looks like traveling across a CRT. So I want to super quickly talk about composite video, S-video, YPBPR, and VGA. I don't want to get super lost in the weeds about all the specifics. Each of these is a standard. Each of these has a lot of details, a lot of, you know, information if you wanted to go down to the engineering level. I don't think that's super important to go into now, and it's probably not something that's best explained orally to you. So composite video, which you'll probably be familiar with, the plug is usually a yellow RCA plug. Um, and on a lot of VJ gear, a lot of, you know, kind of consumer stuff from the 80s and 90s, uh, it's a nice yellow RCA plug on the back, it'll say video. Composite video is sometimes called CVBS, which is Composite Video Baseband Signal. Um, means the same thing, it's just a more formal way of describing it. Um, and on old pro gear, composite video is often uh, a BNC. So it's a metallic uh, kind of turrety looking coupling thing that you can use to attach instead of an RCA. But you can very easily buy adapters that you just screw on and suddenly you're BNC cable is an RCA cable. So composite video stores all of our visual information on a single wire. And it does that uh, by compositing, hence the name, our visual information, our color information, uh, our positional information, and often some other kind of little things like you can transmit subtitles and stuff hidden in there as well. So our positional information is stored as horizontal and vertical sync pulses. Our color information is stored as, um, in quite a complex way, as the phase difference between the color burst, which happens at the beginning of the signal, and the phase of luminance information that occurs later. Uh, and the luminance or brightness is stored as the voltage that is being output. And so composite video is usually in a couple of different formats as well, which can make it hard for gear to work together. There's PAL and NTSC and CCAM, and they don't really talk to each other because the way that the information has been composited together, it's not as simple as, say, an audio signal where... You know, you can start to pick up an audio signal anywhere. If it's an analog audio signal, you know, it doesn't matter what the, um, you know, it doesn't matter what the bit depth of the analog audio signal going to your headphones is. It doesn't matter the sample rate. But with video, that's very different. So NTSC is normally the American standard, whereas PAL is the Europe, Australia uh, some parts of Japan standard. Um, different timing, different frequency, uh, really good gear will be able to change between PAL and NTSC. Other gear you may find is just locked to one of those standards. And if you want to change that standard, you will need to buy a converter, um, which can get a little pricey. So next we've got S-Video. 
So S video is a lot like composite video, except in this case, the luminance, so the brightness, and the chrominance, the color, have been separated onto two separate wires. And so part of the reason behind this is that we can now have more bandwidth dedicated to both of those. Because we're not trying to squeeze so much information into a single wire. Um, and so typically that means that S-Video can be higher resolution, it can have kind of brighter, nicer colors. Uh, the signal is often just like a bit better looking. You'll recognize the plug as a kind of circular, almost like circular kind of D-shape, um, usually with four little pins and one large square kind of pin in the bottom. Um, it'll be labeled as S-Video. There's really only one plug type that I've seen, which is the plug type I just described. Um, and so typically, yeah, the quality of an S-Video is slightly higher. Um, now moving up in the kind of number of wires or number of channels in a cable, we've now got YPBPR. So YPBPR, typically you'll see that as three RCA cables. Um, they'll, you know, might be red, green, and blue, or um, they might be yellow and red and blue. Um, three RCA cables. Uh, you most often see these on the backs of DVD players. There is, you know, professional equipment that uses them, and there are some video mixers that use them. I've got a, um, what is it? I've got a Panasonic MX50 that is able to accept YB, Y, PB, PR signals. So composite, one wire. S-Video, two wires. Y, PB, PR, three wires. So here, we're able to transmit even more information because we have even more bandwidth by using three wires, or in this case, three cables. Now, the Y signal carried on the Y cable is luminance, um, and it will often contain, you know, sync information as well. Uh, so Y is luminance, the brightness of our image. PB and PR, you might be thinking, what, like, what is that? Why, why don't we have red, green, and blue? So PB, PR, uh, differ what's called differential color signals. So PB is the blue channel minus the luminance channel. And PR is the red channel minus the luminance channel. Uh, and so you're probably thinking, okay, that's a bit crazy. Why are we doing that? And the reason that we're doing that is because the green channel can be reconstructed through some circuitry, analog circuitry, to retrieve it using the luminance, the PB and the PR. So the re I mean the reason that this has been done, I think, is so that you can have a huge amount of signal bandwidth dedicated to your luminance, which is one of the most kind of like one of the things that we see the most, one of the most kind of like important parts of our visual signal. And then the bandwidth of two cables can be dedicated to our three color channels, essentially. And so it's a kind of step up from S-Video in terms of the bandwidth and the, the kind of the resolution that we're able to push down a line. Now, one step on top of that, 
is VGA. So you'll recognize VGA as being like the kind of D-shaped plug with 15 pins on it. It's got a bunch of uh, kind of digital communication modes built in. Not going to talk about that, just going to talk about the um, analog video transport stuff. So here, all of the components to a video signal that I've mentioned previously in Composite, S-Video, and YPBPR, they're completely broken out here onto separate wires. So there's a separate pin for horizontal sync, a separate pin for vertical sync, and then our red, green, and blue channels, we're no longer using any sort of differential color stuff, our red, green, and blue channels are each dedicated to separate pins. And so that means that we are able to dedicate you know, a huge amount of bandwidth to red, green, and blue individually, which when of course added together, give us our luminance back. And so with all that bandwidth, VGA definitely has the highest resolution, or the highest kind of possible resolution of any of the signals that we've looked at so far. And so these different signals, they don't talk to each other. They need to be converted between. Um, and there are some cheap kind of hacky ways you can convert from VGA to composite video with just a couple of resistors, but you lose color. So you can convert from S-Video to composite video, again, passively, just with a little adapter, or you can build one yourself, uh, and you will not lose color in that case. Uh, but you will lose some of the benefits of S-Video uh, because you are converting down to the composite standard. So, yeah, typically converters are the way that you transition between these different formats. Um, and so if you have gear, obviously, that takes different formats, you need to communicate or translate between them, um, which can be a big kind of bit of a pain. What's great about these different formats is that they each have their own strengths and weaknesses when it comes to, you know, glitching or messing with them. So VGA, for example, because our red, green, and blue signals are completely isolated from each other, we can really easily do things like swap our channels around and get cool, weird kind of color stuff or just you know, put a capacitor between our red channel and the ground pin, and suddenly our red channel is all like warpy and blurry. Or with um, YPBPR, again, we can just swap those cables, no kind of modification needed to get these cool kind of weird color spaces out of that. Um, and the equipment will all like very happily take that. Um, and again, with S-Video, you have the potential to uh, do things to the chrominance signal, to your color signal, you know, kind of mess them up and like play with them without really affecting your luminance signal. And so each of these have a cool kind of, you know, strength in terms of like glitching or messing around with. Um, and look, that is true of our digital video signals as well. Things like DVI and HDMI, but it's a lot more complex because like with our composite example, information is kind of packed together. Channels are not typically dedicated, channels or pins, I should say, are not typically dedicated to a single type or piece of information that you can just sort of interrupt. So yeah, my advice is to like go out and kind of play with this kind of stuff. I've had a lot of fun, you know, grab yourself 
some of those like VGA breakouts that you can find. They're normally used by, you know, they're normally used by installers when they're, you know, installing a panel that will connect to a projector or a TV or something. And so on one end, it'll be, say, a VGA plug. And then the other end, it'll be some screw down terminals. Um, and you can also find these for S-Video, Composite, other kinds of stuff as well. And so you buy two of those, you plug your video source in one side, you plug your TV or projector in the other side, and if you just connect them all together directly, you've now got this kind of broken open cable that you can very easily, you know, play around with, rewire things, place caps and resistors and diodes places to kind of mess around and fuck up your signal a bit in some really like nice and interesting kind of ways. And it's incredibly cheap. You know, you, if you get something you like, I've done this in the past, if you get something you like, you can kind of mount it in a box with some buttons that, you know, especially with VGA that like swap channels around or turn channels off and on or dim channels. Um, and it's a very like cheap, easy way to get some like really nice kinds of effects. So my required reading, which is my hot tip or trick to check out, is camera-based video feedback. So this is the classic 80s effect where, you know, you aim a camera at a TV and you get that sort of infinite trail that goes back and back and back and back and back. And often it'll kind of white out or it'll blow out the further it goes back. Um, and a way to avoid that is obviously turn down the brightness on the TV um, before it kind of blows out. So all you need for this is an analog camera and some type of screen that will accept a signal from that analog camera. Then, like let's for example just say it's a composite video camera, like an old security camera or something. Composite cable comes out, get yourself a little RCA adapter, it'll split um, one RCA into two. And so then you can take one of those signals, run it into the back of the TV to display your camera footage, and then the other signal run to a mixer, run to a recorder, run to something else to kind of like mess up and play with the signal that you have captured. Um, and so you'll notice with, um, you know, this classic 80s kind of feedback style that if something enters the frame, like you put your hand in front of it, that movement is then delayed and reflected back through the image in this cool kind of way. And, you know, the more you like play with it and put effects on it and the more you kind of work out what really works and what you like, the closer you get to like being able to sort of like play and perform with it and do these cool kind of things. One thing that's really interesting is the quality of the video that you use, um, which you might not think. So the kind of qualities of the camera that you are aiming at the screen, and I'd suggest, you know, trying to use a tripod or something, even just a little desk tripod, you can kind of hold it still. Um, the quality of those video cameras can really influence the kind of effects that you get when you do, uh, you know, camera-based video feedback. So that's my hot tip. Um, thanks for listening, um, and keep making cool video.